Johan was kind, helpful, and unevenly gifted. There was so much he didn't understand. For instance, he did not, in fact, have the best big brother in the world. They were only two years apart in age, but Johan looked up to Friedrich the way a son looks up to his father, like the father neither of them had, although actually they did. A man who had deserted the family before Johan was even born, and who showed up now and then over the years, most recently at their mother's funeral. During the post-service coffee, he gifted his sons the twelve-and-a-half-room apartment on the swankiest street in Stockholm. He told Friedrich he was proud of him, and Johan that maybe it would all work out one day. And then he was gone. The brothers were similar in appearance and total opposites in personality. Big Brother had followed in his absent father's footsteps, already on his way to a career in diplomacy with the goal of one day becoming an ambassador. Little Brother, meanwhile, was failing at delivering the post. While one was performing well in the diplomacy programme at the Ministry for Foreign Affairs, the other made sure to keep the twelve and a half rooms in decent condition, since there wasn't much else he was good for. Each evening, Friedrich would plop down in the wing-back chair in the library with some important documents, ask Johan to serve him a whisky, assess his hunger, and decide what time dinner should be served. Quarter past seven, he might say to his brother, and I mean quarter past seven. Now scram and leave me alone. Johan felt needed and proud to be of use. On the whole, he was content. He found flavours and aromas as exciting as thinking was complicated. Friedrich was rarely, no, make that never, satisfied with the results. But why should he be? Johan was incompetent, and Big Brother was good at constructive criticism. Don't put so much oregano in the sauce, you idiot! He was also meticulous about etiquette. Never serve a Pinot Noir in a Bordeaux glass! How many times do I have to tell you? Once was enough. The kitchen had been Johan's domain ever since the age of twelve, when the mother had become too ill to get out of bed. Six years later, she died of something in Latin Johan could never remember. Waiting on Friedrich began as a game, and the game continued long after they were grown. Friedrich called it gentry and servants. One of them was the gentry, the other the servants. If the poor servant boy failed to obey or forgot to say, Yes, my lord, or no, my lord, they switched places and the game went on. Friedrich was the best at everything, except this. He messed up every single time he was the servant and hardly ever got to be the one who served his brother. When the day of Friedrich's move abroad arrived and everything was turned upside down, Johann had, with very few exceptions, each lasting barely a minute, been the servant boy for fifteen years in a row. You're too smart for me, that's all there is to it said Friedrich. Now, go get my two suitcases from storage, then you can iron my shirts and pack my things. But don't forget the beef tenderloin in the oven. We said gorgonzola, right? I'm getting hungry. Yes, my lord. Yes, my lord. No, my lord. And yes, my lord. And by the way, forget the beef tenderloin? Not a chance. The temperature had to be just right. Roast at 110 degrees, remove when the core temperature reaches 50, rest on a platter to 54.5. That left 11 minutes to finish setting the table. What awaited was Friedrich's first overseas post as a diplomat. Big Brother had a lot to think about before the big move. With a lump in his throat, Johann braced himself to be left on his own in the luxury flat on Strandwergen. But apparently, Friedrich was too kind-hearted to let that happen. He'd sold the twelve-and-a-half rooms and used the proceeds to buy an RV for his little brother, with an extra well-equipped kitchen. Johann was also given a prepaid bank card. The pin was one, two, three, five. 
Friedrich had picked it himself so that even you can't forget it. The bank wouldn't let me do one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, Johan repeated. One, two, three, five, you idiot, said Friedrich. He had loaded the card with 50,000 kroner and announced that from that day forward, Johan must be an adult and strike out on his own. Yes, my lord, said Johan, afraid of the unknown but grateful for the help he had received. As if this weren't enough, Friedrich had taken care of selling all the furnishings that had been passed down through their father's Lüvienholt line ever since anyone could remember. There was a grand piano, eight Persian rugs, just as many Renaissance paintings, china bureaus, crystal chandeliers, cabinets and mirrors. The auctioning firm said that, altogether, it was a categorically stupendous lot. Johan heard this, but had a hard time understanding difficult words. Friedrich explained that it meant the firm expected the proceeds would cover the cost of Friedrich's flight to Rome. With that, almost everything had been taken care of. All that was left was for Big Brother to instruct Johan about the RV. He would need an electrical hookup to charge the batteries, otherwise he couldn't prepare meals. There were RV parks here and there around Stockholm. Friedrich had booked him a spot at one in Fierskserta. It was expensive as shit, as Friedrich said. As thanks for his help, he demanded to be driven to the airport. Before they'd gone anywhere, the diplomat-to-be decided it was best he do the driving himself. By then, Johan had spent two minutes familiarising himself with the steering wheel. Little brother thought the chauffeur switch was a good idea. Driving a car was just as tricky as practically everything else. When they reached the international terminal, Friedrich said a word or two Johan didn't understand, followed by goodbye and good luck, and he took his two suitcases and disappeared. The man who knew he was worthless was all alone in life for the first time. He decided to start by driving all the way to Fiskserta, as good a way as any to learn how the vehicle worked. It changed gears on its own, that was good, and there were only two pedals to keep track of, not three. Things would probably be fine as long as he didn't think about anything else while he drove, and he didn't expect he would need to. But for that very reason, he missed a lane change on the way towards Stockholm and took an exit he shouldn't have, only to discover he'd ended up outside a shopping centre. Oh, perfect! Thus, the kitchen of the RV was fully stocked when Johan finally managed to find his way to the RV park southeast of the city. Expensive as shit, Friedrich had called it. That was surely true. But even so, Johan allowed himself to admit that it looked a bit shabby. It was the size of a football pitch, more or less, more mud than grass, a few power poles here and there, a sign listing everything that was not allowed. Johan didn't have time to read it because he had to concentrate on parking properly. The place was deserted, aside from one lone camper not far off near a slope. People probably preferred to be out on the road in the middle of summer like this, Johan thought. But he should not have thought at all. He already had the accelerator pedal to think of, and the one right next to it, and the steering wheel. Time to turn that so that he would stop approaching the camper, and time to brake. But almost everything was so hard. A stroke of bad luck found him, or however that saying went. The lone camper happened to be parked in exactly the wrong spot, and the camper was coming closer even though it was standing still. Johan realised that this was because he himself was still moving forward. The accelerator pedal and brake pedal looked identical. The gas was on the right, the brake on the left, but which way was right and left? After managing to make it all the way here from the airport, many kilometres away, Urgent was suddenly the only way Johan could describe the situation. He had to brake. He guessed wrong. The RV leapt forward. He guessed again. 
right this time, so it wasn't a serious crash. But still, the RV did run into the back of the only other vehicle in the whole field, but it was only a bump, and Johan had managed to stop. The camper, however, began to roll, and it picked up speed down the slope. One metre, two, five, ten, perhaps, before a lone tree stood in the way. That's not good, said Johan, but in fact, you might say that it was.'